Hello and welcome. Hey, hey. It's Hardlore hey. time. Uh, Bo. Yes, sir. We, we've got a just, what a special guest we Tell have. Tell them who we got. Tell the world. J.M.F. Weinberg. <laughs> oh, Captain, my captain. My actual initial? Is that? Yeah. <laughs> Legal. Your God Christian damn. name. Wow. We've, d- we've done our research. Okay. Dude. Okay. <laughs> uh, the the boss, the CEO, is here. Um, I, we can't thank you enough for for taking time out of your day to join us. Good today. to be here. Yeah. Good to you, be with you guys. I, I want to say you and Colin obviously knew each other, so you and I have not met in pretty much any way. But after we had our trailer stolen, you reached out to the band to Harm's Way to say, "Hey, I have some stuff if your drummer needs it." Yeah. We we played Colin that seventeen twenty show. Where you introed us, <laughs> that was yep, yep. that was good, and and he rolled up like still. Chris met him, and I guess you just come from some slipped out thing, and I think yeah, I, I want to say we were in the studio at that time, and and like we were like just wrapping up, perhaps making demos for our last record or something. So I was like getting ready to all right, like just leave L.A. And, uh, and I was like, oh, man, because, you know, it sucks whenever you see those yeah. posts from bands that are in our, you know, community of, like, we got ripped off, our trailer got stolen. Like, it's just awful to see that, and your heart just kind of sinks. Like, even though we hadn't met or whatever, it's just like, man, you know, it's like, it's hard enough as it is. So so then when you have that uphill battle of, like, trying to make all those ends meet, it's the yeah. worst. So I was like, all right, I'm, you know, I have, like, a double pedal, I have some symbols or, yeah. or, or whatever, you know, whatever it ended up, ended up being, it's like, all right, you guys take this and use it, and hopefully that's a little bit of a, a Band-Aid on this, Dude. you know, huge gaping wound, and uh, <laughs> and we'll figure out you guys getting that back to me later. You know, yeah, let's, yeah. Let's, get, let's get you some gear. So, no, yeah, I'm, I'm glad it worked out. It's one of those things, too, where, like, we wouldn't want to post about it. You obviously are, are humble. You're not going to, like, say anything about it. So I am using this opportunity to say thank you publicly <laughs> because that was very helpful when Chris was – very pumped. So thank you. My pleasure, man. Hey, you know, like it's, it's one of those things, like, I mean, the cliches are all true that it's like, we all do have to kind of look out for each other. Cause it's like, you never know when that's going to happen. You know, like you, you hope it never happens to you, but like, you got to know that when you embark on that journey of like going full in, yeah. in the way that you guys have, it's like, yeah. You know, you, you you hope and and trust that there is kind of that support system of like like minded people and, and and friends that you might not know, but they're you know you're they're looking out for you because you just kind of like you got to pay it forward and you got to look out for one another. So uh, yeah, it's kind of like it's like a no brainer, you know. Awesome, very cool. And I love that's... your I love this double Metallica logo you've got going on. You've got a Metallica logo tattooed on your arm. So you got a Metallica logo <laughs> on your shirt. So this is Metallic Cat, which is my cat. Oh, Metallic Cat. Oh, yeah, okay. the T is fine. Right. It Okay. The T is I have, I have a friend I have a friend who has I have a friend who has two black flag logos right next to each other. Excellent. One right here and one right here. And I was like when we met, I was like, You have two black flag logos right next to each other. He's like, Yeah, I know. I think <laughs> I think Rollins has like four or five. Yeah. On his actual body. Yeah. They're like they're like military medals, you know? You get the bars for like it's like a Cub Scout badge. Every time you <laughs> do, like, I, do either do either of you have black flag bars? I don't. I no, I don't think I've earned the bars. One time at, at, at Sound and Fury when Colin Varabia was playing, this is when like the black flag bars were like 
Everybody was getting them. Live, laugh, so, love. This was post live, laugh, love, right <laughs> into Black Flag bars. And Colin of Arabia, somebody was filming him in his face, and he took the phone and threw it as far as he could. And I was like, that was awesome for one. And then he, I remember very distinctly him saying, I earned these bars. And I was like, okay, that, wow. I get it. And I don't, I don't know if I've earned the bars yet. Wow. What's like, there's got to be like a live, laugh, love of hardcore. It's got to be like the bars, the Crimson Ghost, and uh, and what? Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. It's, there you go. Well, what the live, laugh, love of hardcore is the unbroken life, uh, love, regret. Yes, okay, it is. Right, yes, right, it is. Yeah. Absolutely. It's Our just, old guitar player has that on his arm. Okay. Who, Jay? Yeah. Is it Jay? Jay, yeah, Jay. But yeah, he, no. he gets a pass because he's much older than he's us. He's 59. Yeah, he was he like was there, there you know, yeah. Okay. Um, All right. Jay, you, I, I, you know, a lot of the, the people that are watching this show just straight up like seeing the thumbnail on Knotfest know you from Slipknot as they should. You know, this is this is your claim to fame now, other than being Jay Weinberg. But like, I, the thing I really wanted to focus on is that like to me as a touring guy, like you did your time, mm. you served your penance. You know. <laughs> you, you 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 didn't like like uh, sh- sure like i read something about you filling in for your dad in the mm-hmm. in the late aughts mm-hmm. uh, but then it was like madball madball right yeah yeah in a van mm-hmm. for the most part and uh, like that's such a, a drastic difference in in touring quality of life when even in slipknot like what right after you and i met we were both in europe at the same time speaking mm-hmm. at Hellfest and yeah. it had been logistically decided that Slipknot was going to be using a plane to tour. Right. Yeah. Well, like in, in those instances, like, you know, you're trying to cover so much ground that like to just make whatever, like the, the scenario where that ends up being the only option yeah. is when you're doing stuff where you have a string of shows. So like, for instance, if we're playing in Switzerland one night, and then we're playing the download festival the next day, which does that, which has happened literally those two like back to back. It's just, you know, the, the layout of those festivals and you try to hit all of them and, and there's only so many miles you can travel overnight, yeah. you know, it's like, okay. So, and then that, that factors into gear as well. So it's like, while I'm playing on one drum set in Switzerland, my other drum set has to be, you know, in the trailer at download about to be set up the next morning. And then there's all the, you know, like, I'm sure that we were talking that day of like, like, yeah, I mean, you know, you get to fly from one show to the other and that's a lot easier than, you know, spending whatever it is, 25, 30 30 hours in a, you know, in a, in a vehicle, but the, but the logistics are such that it's like, okay, you know, you finish playing at, you know, midnight or sometimes those Euro festivals, they go really late. Sometimes you're, you're, on stage at midnight yeah you know at the earliest like we played shows where we were on stage at 1 a.m you know and it's it's amazing and that's part of the charm of of those shows totally um but then you get off stage at you know 3 a.m and then you're all kind of waiting as a big group not just the band but you know the crew and everybody that works on the tour you know doing getting their responsibilities done making sure all the gear is safe and in cases to go to the next show so by the time you're on the way to the airport it's like five or six in the morning and then you you know you fly in the air and you land at your destination at nine or ten in the morning and then you go to the festival site you get a nap and then you play later that day you know it's just like nobody's complaining you know it's like no of course it's an incredible opportunity 
to be able to do that, it's like we should all be so, you know, so fortunate to be able to like, yeah, we're playing the Greenfield Festival and tomorrow we're playing Download. Like it is yeah. all dream come true opportunities. Um, but then when you when you factor in like how are we gonna how are we gonna actually be able to do this? It's like, well, this is the only way we're gonna be able yeah. to do it. So yeah, you know, the logistics right. of something like that like blow my mind. I mean, when it's I, when wild I f- and, yeah. You know, when I found out that Metallica had like like a they have a A B and C rig with double redundancies for each thing and when I like had to th- I had to think about that because th- we're talking like 15 years ago when I was like when we were really starting to tour and I was just interested in touring and stuff it's like how uh, it's crazy it's its crazy. own thing it's amazing and you know it, it, it like it totally didn't make sense to me. I mean, when I, when I first joined the band, you know, immediately. And, and also like, I couldn't, I couldn't tell anybody. I couldn't tell the guys at SJC oh, custom drums, right. like what, you know, what I was up to and why I needed two giant drum sets, you know, immediately because I, I was entering this world of like needing all this gear just to make all these shows happen and stuff. Um, so yeah, it was a complete culture shock to me. It's like, I, it, was, it was all, very foreign to me even with bruce i only had the one drum set and i mean that tour was such that we weren't like flip-flopping stuff and you know having that crazy of a gnarly schedule of like travel or or whatever or stacking shows to where we're flying you know and doing festivals and all that um so even with that experience it was still foreign to me so that that took me you know communicating with the guys about like what what the obligations are for me to make sure like I got all this stuff, you know, in order. And then I'm like, wait, so like, yeah, how are we going to make all this happen? Cause it was so foreign to me. And when it gets explained to me, I'm like, wow, that's, I didn't even think that that was like possible, you know? It's, and, and it's then like, when you, it's like yeah. not, it's like humanly not like, <laughs> yeah, like right. sleeping yeah. and eating and drinking water are like the three things that we like have to do in some yeah. way. And, yeah. and, when you explained the plane thing to me, I remember at the in the moment being like, "That's fucking sick as hell," and then realized like, "Wait, you like can't be horizontal." In any no, you don't way. sleep. You don't sleep, but but you're not sleeping like anyway. You know, it's like all yeah. the all the experiences from before that. It's like, yeah, right. Okay, well, I wasn't sleeping in a fuck in a van, and I wasn't sleeping doing this. It's like it's all kind of like, I, I think. At a certain point, and I'm sure you guys relate to this, much like a lot of people maybe listening, it's like, you know, when you have just this objective that you're working so hard and, and putting, you know, days and weeks and months and years into into coordinating and stuff, it's like there's no, at a certain point, when you've put so much effort into, into just making this thing happen, there is nothing that's going to keep you from making it happen. You know, because then all that work is like, is for nothing. You know, right. you put all this work into you know, and we're not the ones scheduling shows and booking shows or whatever. And hats off, honestly, to, you know, to everybody we have around us. Like we have an amazing crew and, and everybody that works behind the scenes to make it happen so we can focus on just playing the best we can. Um, but, you, you know, you, you, you'll do whatever to, to make it happen. And I think that like at a certain point, that's just instinct. And you're like, okay, yeah, I'm not going to sleep for, you know, for three, four days, especially, I mean, you know, and, and that's, that's just where we are. It's like with our, our crew, they're so hardworking and, and like they, there, there are instances where they literally do not have a wink of sleep for several days. And it's like, you know, it's amazing, man. Um, so yeah, it takes many logistics, but, but it's, it takes everybody in the, in the community around a band 
to really make it happen, you know? And, and when you're in the midst of it, you're like, wow, this is so crazy that this is even able to get pulled off by anybody. I think that happens too, that I don't think a lot of people who haven't done it um, realize is like flying and then playing music is like one of the worst juxtapositions. Like if I don't have me out so bad, my ears, yeah, yeah. My ears get fucked up. Dude, we did a, we did a Southeast Asian tour a few years ago in like Japan and Australia. And on the course of, you know, five weeks, we had 14 flights because when you're over there, you know, so you're doing that kind of thing. And like some of them are an hour. You know, you're barely in the air and it's fine. But like that fucks with it fucks with my like inner ears and I'm dizzy all day and like sure. Just little I mean, shit. You know, yeah, when you're flying, like like driving is one thing. It's like if you're pulling into a show, you know, that on a day of, at least like the driving feels like you can kind of have control over that. When you're when you're flying, it's an all day thing, no matter what. Like no matter if it's an hour long flight or a six hour long flight, like you, you dedicate your entire day. Yeah based on everything that flying entails. I mean, and that's notwithstanding what flying is like nowadays. It's like, it's, you know, it's, it's a whole other uh, thing now, but, um, but no, like doing, you know, doing uh, uh, Soundwave, we did Soundwave a number of years ago. And that's one thing. Yeah. It's like two weekends where you're doing like, you know, back-to-back shows and the flying on the day, you know, in the morning or afternoon of a show that you're playing somewhere else. I just get so sketched out. I'm like, the, we're going to have delays. Yeah, It's going to be, you know, we're going to roll in and have to roll on stage. That's happened, you know, before. Not, really? not on that it's tour. Hard, but man. Yeah, it's just, you know, it, it, but you find ways to, you know, make it work. Like we've all had those those instances of like, you know, I don't know if it's going to happen. It's heartbreaking when it, when it actually prohibits you from playing a show. Um, but I, I remember, I remember on one of my first against me tours, we, we had a show, we were out with the dropkick Murphys and, um, uh, forgive me if I get the cities wrong, cause it's kind of fuzzy at this point, but we, we were playing Chicago on the dropkick tour. But we played a festival in California, in Ontario, California, or something like that. Uh, That's awesome. And coming. we we like we flew. We had, we we were gonna like have to play the show and then fly the morning of the show in Chicago. That's what I remember. And I remember, like, there was something messed up with the flight. Like it was overbooked, and we weren't gonna be able to get on the flight. And then the flight got canceled we were trying to get to another flight and meanwhile like the like our gear that was staying with the tour is at the venue in chicago and we've got to get there and figure out how to play a show and then we're like oh my god like how are we going to make this happen it ended up happening where we literally we got on a flight i think it was a different flight get to you know o'hare and then we're in dead stop chicago traffic and then we end up pulling into the venue. The band before us had just finished playing. Oh my God. And uh. literally we're like opening up cases on the stage to play the show. We get done setting up, we play the show, play all the songs, our full set nice. and then book it. It was like, Oh my God. You know, when, when it's, when it is that tight, it's like, it's so stressful, but it's magical when you can pull it yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. But on the flip well, side, as soon as you start, it's like it's like the stress is the stress is almost gone the second you start playing. Absolutely, yeah. It's the big yeah. payoff. There's like a yeah. mania that takes over, Dude. and it kind of makes yeah, it man. a little little cooler, you know, like a little bit because there's yeah. a thing, and I've missed it, um, Colin. I bet you've missed it too. There's a thing that would happen for me where like 
we would have a problem, whatever the, the problem was. And then as a band, you overcome it and you beat it and you figure it out. And it feels real nice when it's like, we did it. Whatever I mean, the that thing. That, that, that Euro tour with Bane, the, the problem yeah. being finding out that <laughs> Bane wasn't getting paid and then basically paying them out of our pocket by switching to the lesser van. That was like, it was, we were walking around feeling like fucking Vince McMahon yeah. after that. Yeah. Right, 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 right. That was a good. <laughs> but, uh, so Jay, that's the kind of, that's the kind of stuff we want to hear about. We like, like we want to hear about nine people having, and the crew rushing stuck on I 90 East into the city yeah. and, you know, <laughs> like rushing uh, and still pulling it off. And like, did you, you guys obviously put on all the gimmicks and still had, did you have like pyro and all that stuff too? Oh, that wasn't with Slipknot. No, no, no. Oh, I'm, uh, it was against me. Yeah, I'm so yeah, sorry. No. I'm so sorry. No, no, it's cool. My um, but even so it's mm-hmm. still, you know, no matter what, it's still like, yeah, you're, you're riding against time. You're, you're, it's, it's like, you know, it feels like you're in a, like a Jason Statham movie or something like totally. that, you know? And, and to, to to then make it happen it's like a it's a wonderful reward to uh to have it go off like and if if um to have it go off in a way where no nobody in the audience would be any the wiser of what we just did to make that show happen that's fantastic you know and and that's you know that's when you win in a scenario like that um but it's tough because sometimes you don't and sometimes the show gets canceled or something like that you know (laughs) the things that are out of your control you can only you know, you can only do so much, but, um, I was going to say, I don't, I don't remember Slipknot opening for Dropkick Murphys. <laughs> no, that would be wild. That's we like played, a Michael we, Scott. Uh, we, played, <laughs> we played festivals with Dropkick. Uh, one yeah. of my favorite bands and one of my favorite, you know, organizations of people like that, that tour we did it was surrounding St. Patrick's day and had four shows at the house of blues in Boston. <laughs> of course. Um, yeah. Uh, I was surrounding St. Patrick's Day, and it was you know you're getting the full on dropkick experience, and um, those guys are so professional and so incredible from their mm. band, you know the band to the crew to everybody, they're just like amazing, amazing people, and um, and they're always you know it's cool because like, like I remember after that tour, um, being at like a, a Boston East Street band show, and those guys come out, you know they're the mayors oh, of Boston, dude, you know, they're they, sick. That's yeah, so, so when when they come out on stage with uh, with the E Street Band and stuff, and and they you know do their dropkick thing, it's uh, it's amazing. So it's all it's always you know a trip when when those worlds start to kind of like cross pollinate in a way and and, and yeah. whatever you know. They played a they played a Hellfest that we played. I think the year yeah. after you guys played, Colin. Okay, so One probably of my favorite festival. Oh man, dude, oh my the god, best. I, we gotta we gotta talk about that real. Yeah, quick, let's talk about. Oh my it. god, I, I have a very just special memory of that jay of yeah like you and i standing there together this is like this is like our second time hanging out mm-hmm. and, and our second time hanging out was watching like the 10th last motorhead show ever oh wow yeah oh my god yeah and just watching it like 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 me and jay uh me a guy who's like kind of plays drums sometimes like a modern goat <laughs> watching like my all-time goat and mickey d yeah, just yeah, hit yeah. a drum solo. That was a moment that was just like, all right, look at me. I mom. never, I never. <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude, those are the moments that really make you step back and 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 really think about like how special it is. Because we get, you know, we get really consumed in what we're doing and and you know, prep like preparation for the show and 
and stuff like that, you kind of lose perspective of just like, like we're playing a show with Motorhead. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and, uh, it was, it was a real bummer, man. I remember, uh, that was one of a couple shows on that tour actually that we ended up, uh, sharing the stage with Motorhead. And, um, and each time like we, I watched them on the side of the stage and, and, uh, uh, but before they got too late into their set, I would leave to go like warm up and get ready for our set. And I remember it was having generally a clear... like Motorhead Slipknot, right? It was usually that, yeah. But I remember I remember having a clear thought, so misguided that I was like, I was like, man, I've, I still haven't seen them play Ace of Spades. And I had <laughs> a thought, I was like, they're Motorhead. I'll I'll see them play Ace of Spades oh. someday, you know. And so I never got to see them play Ace of Spades because. Oh, wow. I saw, um, we, you know, we played all those shows with them and then we had a, we had a tour in the U S shortly after that. And we had a night off in Austin and motorhead were playing, um, the new, uh, emos in mm -hmm. Austin mm -hmm. and we had a night off and I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to see motorhead. I'm going to finally see them play Ace of Spades, this, that, the other, this was September, maybe even August, 2015. And uh, right when they dropped off that, that tour, it, they played they played two songs and he was and he, he said in the mic, he's like, you guys, I'm so sorry. I like I, I'm sick. I can't play. You know, I'll, I'll make it up to you next time. And everybody completely understood. Of like, course, it was cool. yeah. like everybody, yeah. everybody felt bad. But you more so felt this like, you know, immense respect for, you know, for Lemmy, for the, the band. And everybody just applauded him just for even just getting out there, giving, you know, two or three songs or, or something. And then three months later, he passed. Yeah. I mean, like, it, it was, yeah, it's like a lifetime regret of mine that I never, on that run of shows, I never watched Motorhead play a full set. Yeah. Um, I've got a few of those, I, man. Pantera, Typo. Never oh, saw them. You know, no, like, I never saw either of them. Yeah. It yeah. happens. Yeah, it's tough. My, my wife and I were talking about this. It's like, you know, especially during this time where we just went to our first show as just music fans since the start of COVID, mm -hmm. you know, our first show, just like getting tickets online and going to a show. Um, we went to see Nine Inch Nails and, uh, and both of us were like, neither of us want to ever have that happen where we could have gone to see a band, but didn't. It's like, cause there's always those things that you never know when, you know, like, like the, e the whole ecosystem of live music and stuff. is like, so we just got a real wake up call these last two years of how fragile it really is, you oh, know? Yeah. And, yeah. uh, and so the fact of the matter is like, if we have a chance to go see a band and like not take it for granted, we're going to go. And, and, and you just gotta, you know, seize those moments. Cause yeah, it's like, you never know if that's the last time, you know, you, you you know knock on wood you hope it never is you hope these bands go long into the future but like gotta seize the moment so so this whole time <laughs> off in between tours like we're about to go on tour uh in like three days uh <laughs> but like you know instead of instead of just like maximizing this time of just like decompressing or whatever it's like we we really you know we're, we're just fans of of bands and, and all this stuff so we've kind of stacked this whole time off it's like we're you know, we went to a bunch of shows and did a bunch of stuff. And it's like, can't take that element out of our, our lives. You know, it's been missing for far too long. And, yeah. and when, when, now that it's back, it's like, 
we got to celebrate that and make the effort of like, and we went and like, you know, it changed our lives. It's like, you know, it's one of, it's, it's yeah. those, those moments. that works? Like, like our yeah. lives revolve around music to the extent where like music as a thing just feels like a job sometimes. Like, mm-hmm. like I need to listen to 10 hours of like watch Mojo top 10 videos because <laughs> I like, if I listen to a band, I'll just get like this really weird. But then sometimes, like, I, I have this thing where, like, I'll say, like, just got into onions. Like, something, like, really normal, I'll be like, yeah, I just got into fucking water. But right, like, right. <laughs> like, I feel like at 30, spending my life playing music, I just kind of got into music. Mm-hmm. Like, mm. like, being a fan of just, like, stuff again, just liking stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm yep. really into liking stuff lately. <laughs> so, so That's you, an like, amazing place to be. I can you relate. You posting about Nine Inch, just going to see Nine Inch Nails the other day. was I was like, you know what? That that I know that feels good. And the other Dude, day. They're incredible. <laughs> they're so incredible. Yeah. I, I yeah. think I like, like, I'm like interested in the idea of like watching live music again. Because like, yeah, when you're at a festival or something playing a big show, your fucking favorite band ever could be playing after you or before you or something. And you're like, I, I, I can't watch this. Cause I, I have like this thing I have to do. There's a, yeah, like there's a part of your brain that, I mean, yeah, I definitely relate to that when you're in it and you're focused on what you're creating and stuff, like you're so laser focused and meticulous and, um, obsessive over every detail. And when you're, you know, when you're playing shows and wanting it to, come off properly and stuff it's like you, you get psychotically focused on it and, and you know uh when when you're so focused on what you're creating and and just and the stuff that you're putting out there it takes a lot of time and focus and energy there's nothing i'd rather be doing mm-hmm. but uh when you're able to step away from that a little bit and and not be enveloped in music so much as the creator but just as the person enjoying it, you, like, cause you know, we, we did our first tour uh, since the start of COVID in uh, September of, of last year. And it was amazing, you know, like we're, we're finally back to doing our favorite thing. And we were out, you know, we were out with like Code Orange and stuff. So for me being on tour with one of my favorite bands and getting to watch them every single day was very inspiring, but it's also like, I can't, I can't fully let my, I can't fully be a fan because if I was fully being myself as a fan, I would be in the crowd yeah. and I would be, and I wouldn't be focusing on like, okay, in you know, two and a half hours, I'm going to start my routine of, of getting ready and, and whatever. But so to let your guard down completely and just, just become a music fan again, yeah, yeah, it's incredible, man. And, and I had, I had a similar situation. It was like, you know, it, it wasn't fully doing what we did, like going to Nine Inch Nails, but the last show of that tour, uh, coincidentally, actually, Nine Inch Nails had dropped off a festival and we uh, took the slot that they were going to play. Uh, and then two of the four days uh, of that festival, Metallica were playing. And, and so I was like, okay, we're going to play this show and I'm out of our COVID tour bubble and I'm going to... I'm going to watch Metallica and I'm going to love it. I'm going to be right out front and, and all that. And it was incredible. Um, but yeah, to like, to be able to step in, step back into those shoes of being purely just a fan, uh, you know, in no way am I, am I sharing any of the effort of putting this on, you know, with a whole crew of, of hardworking people, I'm just going to let this wave of sound just, you know, overtake 
my body. Yeah. That's, you know, to, to still be plugged into that, you know, it, it's a great reminder of like why we do this. And it reminds me of why I work really hard, you know, with everybody around me to put on something that we're really proud of and, 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 and care for deeply because I want I want us to move people in the same way that I still get moved by bands. And so, you know, whether that's Nine Inch Nails or Neurosis or, or Metallica or, or whatever, it's like, I still have that youthful excitement that I did when I was a kid. And, and, you know, I, I hope, I never lose that. I hope none of us Dude, ever, the, yeah, the, ever lose that, you know? The giddiness of like, oh, I hope they play X, Y, and Z is like, that's yeah. that's the best. That, that was me as a 13-year-old seeing no effects at my first show. You know, like, um, 100%. I, the more I'm thinking about that Hellfest, that was the year after you guys and the Lemmy statue was built. Oh, oh wow. In, cool. in memoriam at wow. the right, Warzone would, stage. Yeah, that would have been, yeah. When, yeah, when we played the first time, that was 2015. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, man, man, wow. It's such an amazing festival. Like, I was so impressed when we played. I didn't know they were doing this. But I noticed it, like, halfway through our set that all the fire, because everything out in the crowd is on fire at right. night. Like, yeah. literally everything's on fire. It's incredible. It looks like this Mad Max landscape when you're the on that stage. And the zip, the zip line going across. It's like, yeah, yeah. This is this is totally insane um but i noticed halfway through the show that the pyro out there was synced to our pyro so when stuff was happening on stage it was happening out there as well and I, i'm a sucker for those details when when, yeah. when i noticed that i was like wow that's Dude, that's the, the next it's level. so funny because the you crowd know. is probably like wow like the band put so much detail into that and, you, no and the, yeah. you and the band yeah. is like Fuck, that's sick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's I mean, just some you know, some French guy like <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was serious. And you know, those are the moments when, you know, when you as a band can all look around at each other and be like, This is fucking awesome. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. those are the things that you live for and you can you know, you spend a lifetime chasing those moments and, and it's all worth it. In that moment, it's all worth it you know for incredible. people for people who don't know hellfest is like a three-day uh fest out in the middle of nowhere clisson france it's like a and, week long this year they have every oh single band God. like in the world playing it's insane. yeah so so people like camp and yep. just like show up i think it's it's like partially funded by french government like some branch of blah 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 whatever Amazing. it's it's fucking awesome there's like catering showers i got a massage james got a haircut you know like it's it's fantastic. The food, the, the food, food is sick. The buffet the is, is amazing. Sick. Like I, I, I'm, I'm even talking about like so earlier in the day. You know, it's like I gotta because I had heard all the stories. Like you know, there there are still festivals out there that like friends will play and and go to and stuff that I still haven't been. Like I've never been to Roadburn, and that's like a big like bucket list thing for me. I've always wanted to go to Roadburn. Um, but I'd heard of, of Hellfest, so like I went early and just wanted to take all of it in. So I, I went out, and, you know, and and just checked out all the all the everything. They um they they were doing this thing where they had they had like a um I I love this. It was this structure that had like raining water, and it was like it was like an art installation where the water would like rain down but pause in a way that would make an image. 
and they oh. would do stuff like it would it would like spell out the Slipknot logo in mm. falling water. Sick, yeah, I know what you're stuff talking about. Stuff like that. It's like unreal. And and then everything at night is on fire. I remember like each stage had kind of a particular subgenre. So there was mm-hmm. like a black metal stage where I think like Mayhem and Cradle of Filth were playing and stuff and like, like that. That's like the one and with then, the roof over it, right? Like it's yeah, like the, yeah. the covered one, yeah. Yep, yep. And then I remember I remember going uh it was like right before we played and there was kind of like the avant-garde stage where like, you know, bands who didn't necessarily fit with all the others were playing and so I got to watch Woven Hand right before we played. And that's the stuff that I live for, man. Like when you get to play with artists that maybe you wouldn't necessarily normally get to to play with, but it makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. I love I love when when festivals have their you know, they kind of have their, their finger on the pulse of that and like to curate that. That's what I, I feel so, um, you know, I, I feel so happy that NotFest uh, gets to to do that in a way where it's like, it's a celebration of not just, you know, loud drums and loud guitars and loud vocals and everything that, you know, black t-shirt music, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a celebration of like all the different little tangents that, you know, when we get to do the not fest and actually we had partnered with, uh, with Hellfest one, one year we did a not fest meets Hellfest and it was on the site of Hellfest and we got to kind of awesome. do our, our thing the night before. Um, it's an awesome thing, man. So it's, it's really cool. Like, you know, we, we've all done like those, those European runs where you get to do those very eclectic shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome that, you know, with, with NotFest and a lot of the more U.S. based um, uh, festivals that are like taking kind of taking inspiration from that. It's, it's super cool. I, hey, I love it. Colin, you'll love this. Two, two quick Hellfest stories and we can we can move on from Europe. Sure, sure. Uh we we played I think second on the Warzone stage you know like at like twelve or something like mm-hmm. noon like very early five thousand people there it's fucking amazing but because right. people you know it's one of those things where they're selling your merch for you mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so they count you when they do all that stuff and people are camping so they're not going to carry around like a bunch of merch or something over a weekend because mm-hmm. it's muddy and whatever and blah 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 sure. and we we got done we got done and James went to settle up Colin. We sold two LPs total, and they took a cut. <laughs> oh, my God. Dude, but the headliner uh, of our day that we were there was Ramstein, which was obviously... Oh, man, they're well, fucking... Never, yeah, never seen him before. Yeah. Truly felt like a unique thing. So James and I, again, were walking from, like, the backstage cage, like, where the rooms were to that stage, and they started while we were walking behind... And their pyro went off, like, right to start the set. Like, hey, we're going. Mm-hmm. James and I, Colin, I'm not even kidding you. James and I, we went, <gasps> like, grabbed each other and ducked. Because earlier in the day, we were talking about, like, yo, like, people know where this site is because it's always in the same place. Like, they just kind of walk in. You can bury whatever. Nothing's keeping a bomb from this place. Like, we were, like, kind of paranoid, you know? It's dark. <laughs> but James and I, like, hit the deck, dude. We were so scared. <laughs> and then it was just... Yeah, it was just awesome, you know, music. And they they fucking wow. rocked. And that Sublime played after him. It was weird. What? Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's cool awesome. Thing, I love um, that. Yeah, Jay, I, I want to talk about... You're a, you're a hardcore guy playing for Slipknot, you know? You started you started filling in for your dad for East Street Band and then it's straight into Madball. Yep. How did that and happen? 
Like that's that's insane for yeah. one. And you, I believe you told me that you didn't, you hadn't met them when you started playing with them. No, we had we had met like through mutual friends. So like um, to take it back a little bit, like I've been friendly with the guys in H two O for a long time um, through Rusty uh, from H two O's wife, who worked at the Conan O'Brien program for uh, for a long long time since I was like a, a young person before i got into like punk rock like like debbie passed down you know cds to me of like you gotta check out this band and this band and she mm. formed a lot of my early adolescent the bands i was getting into and and whatever and um and i, I was very fortunate in the in the regard of like if uh you know if a band i was digging was was coming on the the conan show i could take the train up to visit my dad at work and go see this band um so that's how i got to know the h2o guys and there was a this is i want to say like late 2009 um i had already done the bruce tour throughout um like late 2008 and 2009 and so uh, maybe this is 2010 i forget i'm kind of i'm kind of blurry on it but uh, I was at a Blink-182 show and Adam from H2O saw me at the show and was like, do you want to come backstage and, and we'll all hang? And I was like, yeah, sure. And so I go, I go backstage. This is at Madison Square Garden at this Blink show. And, um, <laughs> and I'm there uh, just kind of, you know, just kind of hanging and uh, Mitz from Madball who I was familiar with and, and had, you know, I'd seen Madball, of course, like, you know, over the years. And mm-hmm. um, I'm pretty sure I'd seen them play with, H, you know, I like went to an H2O show and Madball was playing. And that kind of got me, um, you know, familiar with, you know, the very specific New York hardcore scene. And, you know, I was born and raised in New Jersey. So I was an, I was an hour away from New York and I was going, I was in New York all the time. Like t- I would take the train up from New Jersey, you know, since ever since I was like, 12 i would you know do my homework on the train and and bop up to the city go visit my dad we go to a show and that was like so much of my adolescence so anyway i met mitts at that show and i um i knew he was a big rangers fan new york rangers fan i think he was i think he was wearing a, a rangers hat and so we get to just talking about hockey just because we're both very big hockey fans and um and so we like stay you know gave each other a phone numbers like yeah maybe we'll, you know go to a hockey game or something sometime whatever um, and then he had hit me up a, a little while later. I had done a, uh, a performance with my dad, uh, where we, we did like a drum off thing. Um, yeah, I've seen that. uh, Tommy Lee from Ollie crew and, and my friend Frank, uh, plays in some 41. They put together this wild eclectic, uh, show of drummers, you know, who were doing everything from hip hop to heavy metal to punk rock to big band stuff. It was like all over the map and they wanted my dad and I, cause we had just done this tag team tour of the E Street Band where my dad was playing and when he had to do the Conan show, I came in. And so we did this thing together and they were like, well, you, you know, your dad comes from this like swing big band, you know, that's how we know him from the Conan show. And you're this kind of like crazy heavy metal person. Um, let's have you come together and do a collaborative thing. So we did that. And, um, and I remember Mitz hit me up after that and he was like, hey, we're about to go on tour in like two weeks, Madball, um, uh, and we need a drummer. Um, is there anybody at that like drum off thing that you just did who <laughs> might want to do this? 
And, the town's uh, back that way. You are in luck. There's a town about three miles that way. I'm sure you'll find a couple guys there. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I was like, dude, I'll, I was like, I'll do it. Like, and he was like, really? And I was like, yeah, I'd love to do that. Real life. Uh, that's what you've done. So, so, uh, so the tour was in like two weeks or something. And there was a couple, there was a couple shows in the U.S. before that. It was, it was a European tour. Mm. And, um, and so I remember... I remember showing up because I hardly had any time. I, I also, I was in a punk band in New York and we had a show, we had a bunch of shows. And so I was going from this, this uh, drum, drum off performance to then a bunch of shows with my band. And I was doing school at the same time. So I really didn't have much time to prepare and school myself. I'm like, you know, it's one thing to be familiar with the band's work, but to sit down and woodshed and really, yeah, of course. you know, like audition for a band, it's a whole other thing. So I remember I, sh I showed up and audition and I felt awful. I was like, Oh my God, I just totally botched that embarrassed myself. Like mm. it was so mortifying. Um, but I guess good enough to, to be like, Oh, come back, you know, next week after you have a, you know, a week to, to really I mean, school yourself. Cho on this stuff. Chops is chops, brother. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Chops is chops. chops is chops. You know, chops. So they, they saw it. So I was able, right. Yeah. So I was able to, uh, I was able to really hit the books throughout that week or whatever. Came back the next weekend. It was like, okay, this'll, this'll work. Um, and so then we, there was a couple shows. There's like three shows before, uh, we would leave for Europe. And, um, and I, I hadn't met Freddie at this point. I actually met Freddie about 30 minutes before our first show together. Okay. So uh, that, that's at, why I uh, thought that you guys hadn't met or something. Yeah, gotcha. no, no. Well, yeah. So, so we, it was, we were jamming. It was like me, Mitz and Hoya. And, uh, and I hadn't met Freddie yet. And we met, like, I was sending my drums up on stage and that's how, that's when we met. Um, and we, it was at the, the note in Westchester. You guys played there? No, sir. Okay. It's a cool, cool venue. I don't know if it's still around, but, um, but that was where I, I played my first, uh, Madball show. And then we played, um, we played at the Chance in Poughkeepsie. Classic. uh after that and um i felt so bad because uh we were all playing on um i think all the bands were playing on uh i didn't have i i knew this might sound strange i didn't have a drum set like i i had the drum set that i was playing with bruce and that went back to like their storage and stuff i didn't have a drum set i didn't have like a snare drum like i was spending wow. all my time when i was at college yeah and um and i didn't have drums uh so we were all, all the bands at that show were playing on, um, on one of the band's drummers kit, kit <laughs> you know, we were playing on this kit and, and, you know, I, Madball, like we were the last of like five or six bands to play that day. We start playing, we start playing the show and I'm not kidding, Dunk. maybe like, no, 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 like two or three songs in busted through the rack Tom head, yeah, busted through the floor Tom head. Busted through the kick drum head, busted through the snare drum head. Four for four? It was, it was a full on, like, I, I still have, like, I'll have, like, traumatic, like, nightmares about stuff like that happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah no, like, I wake up in a cold sweat, like, ah, I'm busting all my drum heads. And, you know, I'm in, on stage in front of all these people. It was a true nightmare. 
Uh, not to mention just how bad I felt that I like busted this guy's, you know, just busted this dude's kit in like three waterheads, you know. And I remember, I I remember, I mean, it's like, what are you doing in a situation like that? I literally, there was like duct tape on the stage. I was like duct taping the fucking heads together and like played the show. I, I remember like trying to. I was trying to play the heads like toward not in the center of the head, so at least I would be hitting oh, no. something. The side of the like tear. <laughs> Nightmare. Going... Yeah. Yeah. Nightmare. Oh my god. Yeah, Nightmare. Um and then we went to and then we went to Europe. Uh and it was like a it was like a month or six weeks or something. Um four bands on one bus. I had never done that before. Uh, you know, just splitting, you know, all that. I think that was my first tour in a bus mm. um excuse me because the band that i was in in new york like you know we had we had a band that didn't have air conditioning and, and whatever and that's that what just, i'm saying yeah. you did yeah. your time yeah, yeah exactly like that's that's the grind right there it's that you just don't think about it you just no. this is what you have available to you and you just get the shows done um, and that's what makes you appreciate like oh we're on this 20 bunk big red bus in europe and it rocks, you know, like that's where you're like, wait, I could just, I can sleep. Yeah. I can lay well, down. You gotta, you gotta just, you gotta just look at it. It's, it's all the same. It's all the same thing. You know what I mean? Like that, that's what it came down to. And I remember on that, on this one tour, um, it was the band I was playing with and uh, I had just come back from Europe with, with Bruce and I was still in, in this band and we were we had booked shows from like new york to chicago and back we played uh beat kitchen in chicago and then made our way back to to new york um but so i remember we like we played in albany at valentine's have you played there valentine's in albany oh yeah i don't think think cool place place. uh we played at valentine's i stayed in albany well while the band went to buffalo i think the singers brother was the drummer in the other band that we were out with so he covered my set <laughs> i flew from albany to tennessee uh to play the bonnaroo festival with bruce mm-hmm. and then the next day flew to cleveland and met back up with the band uh that I was playing with and uh and we played the it was a house called the legion of doom oh fuck yeah and, uh, Yo. yeah do you remember that place? wow dude Probably the the second out of state harm's way show, really. But, but it's actually do? it's Columbus. Oh, okay, okay, but, right. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But but I've we played there. I mean, dude, that's a. I can't believe you just said that. Actually, that's Nirvana played amazing. there, right? Like it was it was yeah, kind of like a legendary. Have, yeah, they have kind of a venue. Yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah. Did, okay. They you just blew time. my. You just blew my okay. mind. Okay, he did so, his time. Uh, <laughs> but that's just like. But that's just to illustrate that it's like you know it doesn't matter the scale or, or whatever. It's all, it's all about just the show and making the show happen. And if you're invested in, you know, I was invested in the East street band. I was invested in this band that I was playing with. And it's just, it all, all just becomes one like big thing that it's just like, it doesn't matter how you're getting there or whatever. You just get there, you play, you do your thing, you put all of yourself into it. And that's just, that's just what it is. Um, so yeah, but then but then I remember you know going into my first Madball tour, it was uh, 31 people on one bus. There was 31 bunks, and every single bunk had a person in it. Oh, yeah. It was um, 
it was Cruel Hand, Death Before Dishonor, Terror, and Madball, all on one bus for about a month. If you had asked me to guess the four bands that were on the tour, (laughs) Terror and Madball for sure. I wish that you had asked me because it would have been Cruel Hand. It was was wild, man. I was 19 years old. Um, It was my first tour in a bus, uh, first tour in Europe without my, like, my family and these yeah. guys you know the guys in the e-street band are you know they're my uncles for lack yeah, of, right, of course you know so this is my first time really like to me felt like really getting out there and and really doing it and i was like this is this is every dream i've had since i was you know 13 14 years old making the decision to want to play music and be like i'm doing it i'm here without you know my family or the people that i've i've grown up with or, or whatever it's amazing um and uh and yeah huge you know huge learning learning lesson I, I was in college too so i was like you know i was like the dork with my laptop doing like chemistry homework and, and stuff you know Christ. at the same time but um you know a, a fantastic opportunity and and still a, a tour that i you know look back at fondly was just like wow what what a wild uh experience what a wild first experience being Dude. you know in that kind of environment and i, <laughs> I remember man, yeah, like, that's like throwing out. the kid off the pier to like learn how to swim you know what i mean like yeah. when it comes to like in the hardcore world with like bands in europe bread and butter bands who are like in europe oh, they're fucking killing it you Number know one. yeah they're top tier that's that's quite a first experience well, and, and especially in, you know, that community is, is you know, it was it was awesome to, I remember one show we played, it was a really weird setup where it was like, it was two stages facing each other. And it was like, it, it, I remember the show was billed as like death metal versus hardcore. So we had our, we had our tour package on that tour, right? On, on that show, right? So it was like Cruel Hand, DVD, uh, Terror and Madball and a bunch of other hardcore bands, I think. Um, Scarhead or Crown of Thorns played. I forget Sounds right. which, but uh, uh, and maybe Trapped Under Ice played that show too. I'm, oh, I'm, if I it was forget. 2010 in Europe, Trapped Under Ice played. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, wherever it was. Yeah. Um, but then up on the on the opposing side, so a hardcore band would play, and you've got all the hardcore kids that are in, in that pit. It was one shared pit. Right. So the 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 back of the death metal pit was the hardcore pit and vice versa. So, so I remember it was like it, it was just like this. It was exactly <laughs> it was like so then, bah, so you'd bah, have bah. kids you'd have kids turning around after each band and so it was like it was like terror decapitated madball wow. obituary Sick. it was like it was That's super a show crazy. man wow it was wild, man. But I, I, re- I really remember having a distinct thought of just like, you know, I, I could have never dreamed up that reality yeah. of playing a show like that, you know, being a kid, just, you know, playing along to records. Um, to be fair to, to learn... you, neither could anyone from America. So no, right, you right. Know, don't take that personally. <laughs> so that was, could only so happen was, in Europe. Yeah. So, so, it was, you know, just an amazing experience. And, um, and like anything, you know, you just kind of, build off of that and 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 take that those learning experiences and apply them to trying to just do more of that and 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 all that so um but that is to say it's like i never looked at any of that as any different from you know the the east street band stuff is no different from the madball stuff it's no different from you know playing the legion of doom none of it is any different And, and that's how i it's just you know i don't know at a certain point when you just kind of 
try to do all those things simultaneously or or at, like quick succession that's all in the space of like a couple months <laughs> like yeah. all that stuff happening like i'm not kidding that was from like you know june maybe that bonnaroo show was and then like that you know december i was like on that tour or whatever so it's all very it much in a quick space of time where you don't really have any time to think about it being out of the ordinary you just are like this is what i'm doing this is, this is today it. or whatever yeah, yeah there's yeah. a there's a very annoying conversation that happens that's like what do you mean x band is a hardcore band kind of like they don't sound hardcore kind of thing and and for a long time my whole definition has been exactly what you just said like the reason that title fight trapped under ice terror and nails could all play together is yeah. because they're all hardcore bands because it doesn't yeah. matter what they fucking sound like. Like obviously the E street band, it's not a hardcore band, but it's the mentality of how you're treating it. And that's everything. Yeah. It's a, it's a code of ethics more so than it is as a genre of music. Absolutely. It is. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a work ethic. It's a, you know, it's a dedication and, and knowing, you know, knowing that there's like kind of this separation of being a casual, someone who's applying themselves casually to something and someone who's applying themselves in a really serious way where it takes up your life. And, um, and that's definitely what I learned. Cause you know, coming up, uh, getting up to speed with where Madball was, cause you know, in quick succession, I had, I had like joined the band and then we're on tour and then we're making a record and stuff. So I had a lot to learn in a very short amount of time. And, you know, it was, it was, it was really amazing to, to get these, you know, these lessons of, of really like, you know, applying yourself to it, you know, and knowing where it comes from, that it isn't about a specific sound. It's, it is about your application to it and your dedication to it, um, no matter what. And maybe you will play for 10 people on any given night. It doesn't matter. Yep, it I really sure doesn't will. matter. Yeah, yeah, it really doesn't matter. <laughs> Terror will act the same at a basement show as they will on Hellfest. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that and that's and that that's comes it. From I, I, a, a couple years being... ago, sorry, go, go ahead, go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> All right, I'll go ahead. So a couple a couple years ago, like 2018 or something, um, it was while we were making the last Slipknot record. Um, I remember playing a, a Hesitation Wounds show in a in a garage in in LA and uh and we were we were playing with Sect which has uh uh Chris Callahan, Andy Hurley from from Fallout Boy. And I remember talking to Andy about just like how awesome is this that you know we're playing a garage yeah. to 10 or 15 people. It's like crazy. this is this is amazing, you know, and and it 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 really you know and, and those those kinds of things like you you celebrate those moments where you know it's I don't know. You still just get stoked to to do that just as much you are to play for, you know, as, as many people as you can see in a field. You know, it's just like yeah. it's all the same thing. I and, mean, the garage that's, that's is much called. more personal. You can <laughs> see the whites of the eyes of everybody in the room. That's You're like, I mean, Brian, I hope you like that song. <laughs> you yeah. can see the glow of the phone on their faces. You know what I mean? Well, and that's what I think I think any band should want to strive for making, you know, no matter how big a show might be, you want to try to make it as feel as intimate as possible where you're establishing, you know, it's all about connection and chemistry and, and the reaction and, you know, what you create together as the musicians and the audience. It's all about that, you know, trying to light something on fire together. And yeah. you can get, you know, I've had plenty of shows in front of 10 people 
that were as much of a powder keg as it was to play the Rock and Rio Festival for 100,000 people. You know what I mean? It's all, you're just trying to search for creating that spark together, you know, and it takes takes both elements, you know, yeah. to to create that and you can you can create it anywhere, you know, so it's important to like never lose sight of just like, you know, the, the scope or the scale of things has like no factor in it, you know, it's, it's I, all about what you put into it. Colin, what were you going to say? I don't know if you, if you still remember, but no, I have just a... something about like hardcore kind of being the only genre where like, of course, in every genre of music, like you're a fan of music. So you want to play music, mm-hmm. but like hardcore is so personal that like, not only can your favorite bands just become like your actual best friends, but like, the the per, the coolest mosher at the show <laughs> always starts the sickest band, you know. Like it's it's inevitable that like the the person making the show sick because they're going off so hard, eventually is like in turnstile. God's know? hate, yeah, right. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. It's I, uh, yeah, man. I mean, you know, it's so it, it for me, you know, it was my shield that I I had to protect myself from a world that I didn't understand. I felt didn't understand me. Um, the music was my, it was my outlet and my way to, to get through and, and, and steal myself up from, from feeling misunderstood or, or whatever. So did you always just, dis- sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt, but despite a no, college, I, did you always know that music was going to be your thing? Did you feel 100%, it? hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. And you know, even, even with, like my studies, I tailored that to want, you know, I went to a smaller school where I felt like I could, um, I could make my studies revolve around my genuine interests, you know? So, so any, any project I had was music based or like I had a senior design project where I started like an art gallery, you know, and, 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 um, you know, I just wanted to, I wanted to find ways because I really enjoyed what I was studying, but I wanted to bring that together with my genuine interest. And the fact, like I went to school right outside New York on purpose so I could be in New York every single day, be in Brooklyn all the time, going to shows all the time, you know, going to gallery stuff all the time. And, and it informed so much of like, you know, I, I could see all the commonalities between the stuff I was studying in school, the stuff I was, I was naturally inclined to enjoy, you know, uh, in the, in a big city, yeah. you know, and stuff like that. So, um, no, it was, it was, you know, I, I was lucky where I, I, I found all the commonalities there and the fact that like the school was willing to work with me. Cause I started, I started school and two months later I started playing with Bruce and I basically had to tell the school, <laughs> I was like, I have this opportunity. You can tell it's not just me in my garage with my buddies. This is, uh, you know, I I have to do this. I want to do school at the same time. And if you're cool with that, I will show you that I can do it. Um, But I, you know, please like work with me here. But if you make me choose one or the other, I'm playing with the fucking E Street band. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and I'm sure no the question. music director of the school was like, "Go fucking play with the E Street." Band. What are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> so, so it, it worked out where they were like, "Yeah, we'll figure out ways." You know, instead of taking, a, you know, an in-class exam, I would write a big dissertation paper while I was on tour, and that, Jeez, and, and they were they were cool with me doing that, and um, it, it got to the point though where like I remember, um, 
it was like my first tour with Against Me where I, I wasn't very aware, but it's like it was like, man, we're gonna be on tour like nine months out of this calendar year. Um, you know, like we were we were on tour a lot, and um, we were driving. We had like a show in El Paso, and then we were driving from El Paso to like uh, the, our next show is in Anaheim, a chain, and. And I remember I was like doing an exam in the van on like a Blackberry and I, I went to go like submit it took me like four hours on that drive. And in that drive, you're like losing service all the time. Yeah. And I went to like submit it finally. And because we were like in the middle of the desert, it just my phone like went black and it wouldn't submit it and erase all my work. And I like damn near threw my phone out the van window and we pull up to chain reaction and I called up my school and I was like, I can't, I, I finally have hit a wall and I can't do this anymore. Mm. So I'm going to come back. I'm going to finish school, but I have to just do, I, I can't half-ass these two things. I need yeah. to fully submit myself to whole ass, to I do, got a whole whole ass, ass one thing. Yeah. Ron Swanson, whole ass mm -hmm. one thing. Dude, I have, and, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Please continue. No, no, that was it. So I, I you know, dropped out of school and, um, and made you know made the conscious effort it's like i'm gonna invest myself completely into touring all the time with against me and um and then it just got to the point where i was like okay i'm ready i'm going to go back to school finish school i did and then the day i finished college was with when i got asked to uh, come play with slipknot um what, so year, kinda, what was, year was that 20 end of 2013 yeah. So, so I have a I have one of my favorite stories to tell. Period. But it, it's a, a, a Slipknot show at the Allstate Arena with Corn and King Eight One Zero. It's like two thousand. Yeah, you, you two thousand fourteen. Four. Yeah, around fourteen. Okay, yeah, perfect. that was my that was my first tour. With oh, perfect. Band. Yeah. Uh -huh. So like it's at yeah it's at the Allstate Colin, which is like where all uh it's that was where Chris Jericho debuted. Mm. It's like the okay. same kind of a venue. And my girlfriend is a huge Slipknot fan. So we went, we got good tickets. We watched King. I had never seen King before, but I knew about him, you know. I loved Corn growing up and everything, and I obviously was very pumped to see Slipknot. So King had, you know, what, a 50 by 30 foot banner, and then yep. like all their shit on the sides. He said who they were a, a hundred times during the set, you know what I mean? Just like, yep. and just kept nailing and nailing it. They finished their set, and I had to go to the bathroom. <clears throat> And this is not at all a comment on fans of Slipknot or Corn or anyone. It's a, it's like the mindset of the guys who listened to K Rock or Q One Hundred One growing up, and then became like mechanics or whatever, and just don't pay attention to the opener. I'm in the bathroom, and I'm just using the urinal, and I hear a guy say to his friend, "Man, Corn is really different now." <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. I, I have a I have a good little Madball anecdote that I like to tell. Okay. This was the one. This was like right after you had left. Mm. Um, this was post J. But this is I've been a Madball fan since I was twelve years old. Like straight up, like mm. a child being like, look my weight. So uh. this, was, this was it was uh, Born Low from Upstate New York was opening. Twitching Tongues was second, and Madball headlined. And this was it was like a four or five show run. And, like, I don't think I spoke to anybody in Madball the entire time. And, like, I get it, you know. I, I've been there. I, sometimes it's just, like, you, you got, you're doing your gig and then you want to get off. 
So I, I, I to this day, love Madball. Um, but Born Low's from New York, you know. So Madball, <laughs> during the Madball sets, this is every all four shows. And, like, and I get it. Twitching Tongues is a weird band. We don't sound... Like it's quite a sandwich. To, you're yes, you're the meat is. in a very interesting sandwich. We are we're we're like the <laughs> the, the chipotle aioli of the of the sandwich, <laughs> you know. Um, and you know he's, it's like during the look my way ring out thing. He's like you know we born low, open the show, give it up, like New York hardcore man. We love this shit. We gotta support each other. Twitching tongues played too. Look my way, don't hide. <laughs> <laughs> Like four, four oh shows God. in a row. That every time I was just like, "All right, that's great." That was good. That's great. I love that. What, <laughs> what can you do? You know, no, nothing. Yeah. It's Madball. <laughs> what, what can exactly. you do? It's, it's like my, the uh, best hardcore band ever. My parents came to one Madball show. They, uh, we, it was like the Super Bowl of hardcore, the Black and Blue Bowl. Yeah, yeah. and it was uh, us and Chromags. And that was my my mom and dad came to the show, Sick. and I. There's no way you can prepare yeah. a mom and dad to go see Madball and Chromags in New York, and like that was, uh, was wild. Well, they were think? like, uh, they they enjoyed it, but they it was like hard for them to process. Yeah, like they were like, I, they were like, I don't understand it. Were they side stage <laughs> or were they like? They were up in the they were up in the balcony. Okay. They were up in the balcony with just like you know. Full of, full of, you know, all the New York hardcore Character, characters yeah. that you oh could ever imagine. God. So you can imagine my shock when I'm just like, I'm, I'm playing and I'm like looking up at my mom and dad just surrounded by, you know, New York hardcore community. And I was like, <laughs> wow, they are fish out of water here. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, like they, they're incredibly supportive. And I, I mean, my mom, when I was a, when I was young and I'd be playing Slipknot records in my room and stuff. She'd be like, "What is that?" Yep. But they were always very supportive and let me be into the stuff I was into. And now she's, you know, in the pit, in the pit, throwing okay. elbows and <laughs> stuff like that. She knows every single word. And that's so cool. It's, it's pretty great. I mean, I, and I had to imagine your dad was like number one supporter of you being in Slipknot, right? Yeah, I mean, he he was instrumental in us meeting. Obviously, you know, yeah. they had come on the Conan show early on in their career and um is that is that he, picture real is that picture of you oh yeah the That's meme so cool uh, yeah the yeah, meme the, yeah the meme of uh this meme Colin? Me on, it makes more it makes more sense of like you know it was halloween night that's ah. why i was that's why i was dressed up as Corey. Ah. it wasn't just because i was like that's what i wore every yeah. day it was halloween and i dressed up as Corey. i was 10 years old um and uh uh, no, that 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 really did happen. Love um, that. And just thank God, you know, somebody had a, yeah. a camera. Is and, your, your and dad talking that to, moment? He's talking to Mick. Uh, Jim. Oh, it's Jim. Uh, yeah. It's Jim. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We actually it was it was it was Jim's idea uh, a couple of years ago. My dad was at a show and he was, it was in New Jersey. It wasn't the same venue, but uh, he was like, we should recreate that photo. So we like recreated that photo like right after we played. It was That's pretty awesome. funny. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, uh, where were they going? Um, no, so so you know they played on the Conan show and and he was like, this band is so crazy. My son's gonna love this. And uh, and they met him and was like, yeah, totally. Like anytime you guys want to come out to a show, bring the kids out, like whatever. And um, and so we did, uh, and and just struck up a friendship right then and there. And that mm-hmm. was that was really genuine. That like it was the first time I felt like these you know these people who I looked up to, um, 
were welcoming welcoming me in the ways that it didn't didn't matter how young I was or whatever. They could tell that the music was affecting me and that we had something in common there. And so we struck up a friendship. I was a very young person. And so that always stuck that always stuck with me. And and I feel that that was like such a, a meaningful thing as as I've you know grown up and stuff. Like all a lot of my friend circles, it was always like I was the youngest person by like a long shot, by like too. half a, like too. half a yeah. lifetime. You know, like when I was fifteen, like most of my friends were in their, you know, thirties or something like that. I don't know if that's strange, but it's like it's. I always felt that real genuine, you know, appreciation for people who didn't like they didn't look at me like I was a kid or something like that. It was like you're part of this. You're part of this community. Colin, that's exactly that meant- what you were talking about when it comes to like a hardcore band. Hundred percent becoming your hundred percent. You know, what I mean, mean it's it doesn't like matter. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't matter what your age is. It's crazy. If you're, if you're responding in that like lizard brain way where you can't put together, you can't put into words what this music means to you, but you know it means everything to you. That break down. That that breaks down all the barriers of age, of uh, uh, of, of anything. You yeah. know, it breaks all that down, and and it makes that you know global community that we're all a part of. And so and and so now that you know, it clearly created, you know, this, this friendship that's, that's lasted and turned into, you know, a, a very meaningful trajectory of, of us, you know, playing together now. It's like, you know, it, it um, it's wild. It certainly is something that I don't take for granted, but mm. I, 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 I can reflect on like the genesis of those moments and, and see that it all, it all, began from a very genuine place of like you know you're welcomed here and that was the first time i'd ever felt like i'm welcome in this place i didn't feel welcome at school i didn't feel welcome in sports i didn't feel welcome in fucking anything until i found my community based in in music and and that's a lifelong you know it's it's a lifelong involvement in that community and you got to you know and to me it's like you can't be just passive in it. You have to, mm. you have to be active in your role within it. You have to give back, you know, it gives so much to you. You've got to, you've got to commit yourself to giving back. And, and yeah, that's, you gave a bunch of drum shit to a band you'd never met, you know? Well, right. Yeah. So that's all, that's all, you know, that's, and that's what I go, that's what I mean. That it's just like, you know, you, you understand, even though you haven't met, it's like you understand those commonalities and, and the, the type of people, you know, that, that are in this community it's like you gotta it doesn't matter if we haven't met it's like you gotta be there for each other and that was important to me then it's important to me now and and i feel that you know that's not any unique story i'm sure you guys feel the exact same way yeah. it's just um you don't even think about it it's just like no yeah, it's just it's like a subconscious yeah. thing like oh band yeah. got robbed i better send them some money yeah <laughs> what could i do you you know you you hope that the better sides of, of humanity, you know, show through in those moments um, because those can be fucking dark and debilitating times. So, uh, so if you're in a position where you can, you know, help out, it's just like, that's what this community uh, is. If, 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 if any kind of fate should befall any of us, we have to trust in the people around us who we might not even know, Dude, you know, and no exaggeration, the morning, the morning that we, found that trailer gone. Uh, I was looking up flights just to fly back to Chicago. Cause yeah. I was like, there's no way we're bouncing. You know, it was a full trailer with all everything. There's no way we're recovering from this. James was like, 
beside himself. Colin, I think you were one of the only people, you and Casey were like the only people I was talking to because you don't want to, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then no joke. Yeah, I technically made the GoFundMe. Yeah, yeah. So no joke from from Vegas to San Diego. That was the show and that was the drive we had to do where we showed up. I didn't have a pick when we showed up. I had nothing. Wow. And uh, from there to there, it was like inspiring. Like it was like, oh, we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. Here, here's we'll one more back. for you. Here's yeah. one yeah. more for you, Jay. This show existing is mostly in part to your recommendation. So I'm glad. I'm glad, man. <laughs> so I mean, I, Jay Weimer production, baby. <laughs> well, look, that's you know, th- that's no credit that I can take. You, you know, you're you're a natural, and it's like, I, I'll, like that's that's just a part. I don't know. That's just being. You you want to see your friends succeed in you know, in, in what they're good at. And it's like, if I can do anything where I connect a dot, like, Hey, talented person over here, talented person over here, yeah. you two meet oh. and be talented together. You made a, you made a constellation, brother. <laughs> These ain't dots no more. Before, Look, man, before that's... we sign off, have, have I ever talked to you about my dad working for Conan as well? Uh, what, I mean, that sounds familiar because I know your background in, in production and stuff like he that. Was but, a, but he was re- a tech like, manager. Ref- okay. I didn't tech know that. manager there for years. So, Bo, you're going to have to talk to your dad and see if he can apply for well, do something. Yeah. For My dad so is a, can... he's a recording engineer. He has a studio in his house, but he only okay. sings about Jesus. Uh, <laughs> bummer. But well, I, I was going to say, he came to the post-human record release show. It was the only time my dad's ever seen us play. And he wow. watched from behind my amp. And he's like, you know, he's a Michael Jackson, Steely Dan, Almond Brothers like Billy guy. Joel? Oh, absolutely. So Absolutely. what happened with you, dude? I I just I don't have time. I'm sick of you, man. I don't have time for that. Uh, but anyway, he was sitting, stood behind. We played the set, and it was you know, it was a record release show, so it's going to be dope. And afterwards, he finally, for the first time in my entire life, he said, <laughs> "I get it." Nice. <laughs> you know, and that was that nice. was a that was That's something. huge. That was something, yeah, for sure. That's huge. Nice. It's it's funny. I, uh, um, you know. My dad, as a as a student of drums and you know a master of god, a god of drums, yeah, yeah, um, you know, uh, he watches our shows and it's funny. Like we played, he came to a show we played in Des Moines, and um, and he just can't help but be, you know, that guy. Like, <laughs> still, still kind of impressed me, bro. Kind of, so you're you know, rushing kind that of film. Of you're rushing that film, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, in, you know, my my wife like took a video <laughs> of him, and my mom's going crazy, and she's you know, people equal shit, and uh, and my and my dad is just there, just like, just kind of quietly taking it all in. It's it's, it's funny, you know, a little off. It's a little loose, right? It's it it is very funny, you know, to have those experiences with like, you know, our our parents can. Um, you know, can understand to the extent that they can, but they're always still going to be, you know, our parents and still have that generational. Of course. Um, Dude, they got uh, the Home Depot know. theme playing in their head. <laughs> watching anything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, you know, and that's a, that's a whole element of, you know, of our life is, you know, just, I don't think he ever foresaw is that a word foresaw. Yeah, it works know. for me. It is All right. Hard. He never, he never saw me becoming a drummer as like, something that would that would happen much less us having this like relationship where we you know 
it's our lives. You know, he goes on his trajectory, I go on mine, and and they're very similar but different. And yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. it's really awesome. I'm very fortunate to have that you know relationship with him. But you know, our 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 I had a similar kind of yeah those moments where he's like, it's not my thing, but I yeah. get it. I <laughs> what get does it. he think of blast beats? Is he into him? Um, yeah, I think I think Love he you. just he's uh, like there's a lot of stuff that I I think probably. He's just like, how did that become a thing? How did that yeah. become a style of playing? You know, because growing up the way he, you know, when he grew up, you know, Elvis was extreme. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, uh, you know, you ain't nothing but a half. Like that yeah, was, yeah. Extre- that was extreme. That's the hardest shit to, of all time. Him. So then to, you know, fast forward however many decades now, like anything, you know, it's like, well, you know, 50 years from now, what we're doing is going to be considered, you know, tame, I'm sure, you know, like, uh, so, so yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing, but I'm appreciative that, you know, they, they still have an open ear. Um, you know, I'll play them the stuff that we're working on and, and, and they're like, uh, you know, some stuff they like, some stuff they like, um, but it's, you know, they're never not going to be your parents. Yeah, of course. course. Beautiful. That was, I'm, in, was, I'm inspired. Was yeah, Hell yeah. Time. yeah. I'm gonna call my dad. And just yeah, I gotta, I gotta call my pop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, All right. Well, Jay, this was, uh, this was unbelievable. We're at at hour fifteen. So, uh, thank you for your time. It, that's how that's how it happens, man. Of yeah, course. Well, no, of course. I'm I'm so psyched, and you know, you guys do such such great stuff, and it's awesome, you know, having this as a part of the the Knotfest family that has so many different branches of yeah. uh of everything it's uh it's pretty amazing to see speaking of which you've got something coming up you want to tell us about jam with jay real quick oh my god yeah uh i'm psyched man it, like it's uh not to give too much away but we're i'm i'm psyched i'm amped um we've created you know in the not fest universe um i wanted to do something that that was collaborative with you know, given the limitations of everything we were dealing with over the last two years of not being able to be in the same room and we and the band had to become good at, you know, doing stuff by proxy, not in the same room and still being collaborative in some way and, you know, working on our new music in that way. And so I wanted to do something where it's like, okay, I'm going to play songs by myself in an empty room and I want to find a way to connect with people I don't know, people I've never met, people from all over the world, maybe. And we're going to find a way to jam together. And, uh, and it was spurred on by, you know, the amazing series of the fine folks at uh, two minutes to late night. Yeah. Who I got, I got involved with and did, um, you know, did some stuff with actually got my dad to play a Misfits cover. I saw oh that. yeah. Which, that's which right. was awesome. That's right. Which was awesome. Uh, you know, and just fun stuff like that. It's like, you know, I, I feel like if you, if you have that spirit of wanting to, you know, just be a part of cool, creative stuff. I, you know, your idle hands are going to lead you to wanting to do more cool, creative stuff. And, uh, and so that's what this was born out of. I was just like, I just want to, I, I just want to do something with my time here where I could be creative and, and hopefully, you know, connect with somebody who is also feeling like they're in a jam, you know, mm-hmm. literally, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and really, you know, make something. So took a while, you know, I, I probably filmed my, my performance in this like almost like two years ago at this point, but we put it out there of like, here's me playing a bunch of songs. I want you, anyone out there, pick up a guitar, 
a bass, a cello, a microphone, a fucking kazoo. I don't give a shit. Let's jam. We're going to jam. And that's where this jam with Jay thing began. So we let that just kind of out there without really explaining it all too much. But the people who received that and got the prompt and were like, I'm going to see you, your performance, and I'm going to get my friend over in Brazil while I'm living in Japan and our buddy who lives in Finland, and we're going we're gonna to make a whole thing happen. And it was so incredible. So yeah, so we're, we're coming up on now actually uh, having a final event because we kind of postured this in a way of like, okay, we'll make it, we'll make this, a, let's make this interesting. Let's make this a competition. Who can make the coolest jam session out of this raw material? This is literally just giving like a file, like here's a video of Jay playing, do your thing, you know? So and, cool, and it, yeah. and it, you know, we all had to become self-starting engineers and self-starting, you know, producers totally, yeah, in this, totally. in this time we had to, we had to all learn it ourselves. I had to teach myself how to use pro tools for the first mm -hmm. time and, and whatever. Um, so I wanted to see who else out there went to the same, you know, YouTube school as me to learn how to film themselves oh, and record dude, their audio and whatever. Masters at U uh, YouTube. <laughs> yeah. <University>. YouTube <laughs> university. Um, so we, uh, we amassed, hundreds of uh submissions and basically on june 6th nice we are going to have the first ever jam with jay notfest.com twitch stream and uh and it's it's gonna be awesome man it's the culmination of many people from different corners of the world who are unbeknownst to them going to be jamming together all right with me oh that's so so they don't even know oh that's they awesome. don't even know that's they so don't cool. even know i love that so the prompt was you know pick up your instrument i don't care what instrument it, it is we're all going to play with the drums because the drums are getting recorded first and none of nobody knows anybody but we're all together playing the same tune and let's just see what happens so cool. so june 6th notfest.com Jam with Jay, Twitch premiere. It is happening. You heard it here first. <laughs> Check it out. It's going to be great. I love it. All right. You heard it from Jay. You heard it from the man. Not Fest, June 6th. Jam with Jay. June we 6th. will see you there. Thank you guys so much for watching today. This was Hell lovely. Yeah. Bo, you want to you wanna sign off for us? Yeah. Hey, quick reminder. We have the Gmail uh, inbox hard lore podcast. Not Fest hard lore. Not Fest hard lore at gmail.com. <laughs> It's if below you, you stories, on the screen. If you have stories from tours, shows, things you've seen, whatever, send them to us. And when we don't have a guest, we'll, or maybe when we do have a guest, we'll talk about it and see how we would react to such a situation or if we heard about it or whatever. Trying to get awesome. the people involved a little bit. Jay, awesome. thank you so, so much. Yeah, thank you, man. My pleasure. My pleasure. We, we like, we, we scrape the surface of stories, man. Like, that's how, that's how it Let's do this. Let's all right, let's do this. Let's do this again. We're going on tour next week, so maybe I'll have more stories to share Perfect. with you guys. Yeah.